This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This video is brought to you by Blessed Be God Boutique, maker of Catholic fashionable apparel, handmade accessories, and more. The case of Father Marco Rupnik is one that simply will not go away. He was the scoundrel of a priest who was so morally bankrupt that the modern Jesuit order expelled him from their ranks. He incurred automatic excommunication, not for being a traditional Catholic, which is how these things usually happen, or so it seems, but by misusing the sacraments to cover for his own evil deeds. But he simply won't go away because his excommunication was lifted, and he was sent to go back to his home country of Slovenia to serve as a parish priest which is pretty bad, but given the circles he ran in and the opulence he experienced, it would be a punishment of sorts for him. Not a good punishment. Not one that most people would say would be a just punishment for his evil deeds, but a punishment nonetheless, even if overly light. But now we have news that it was all for show, that he's not really facing any consequences for his evil deeds in general. Let's get into that story today, but first I wanted to take a moment and thank its the patrons and channel members for their support of Return to Tradition in 2023 and their continued support in 2024. It's definitely going to be an interesting year in the church. We can all sense it. And their support keeps this reporting and commentary coming. So thanks to the patrons and channel members for their support. And if you'd like to help out, you can do so by hitting the join button below or by following one of the links in the description box to Patreon or Subscribestar. For as little as a dollar a month, their support and yours helps us keep shining a light into the darkness emanating from apostate Rome. And they get early access to videos and access to the patron discord for that. So thanks for your support. And let's get back to the news. The hypocrisy coming from Rome on matters of faith and morals is frankly astonishing. During Francis's Christmas message, he told us to not be so rigid and to beware of rigid ideologies. It's his usual refrain. And at this point, he's a broken record. But I do wonder if he means by not clinging to rigidity and needing to move forward what we're seeing in the Rupnik case, if that's actually what he means by all that. See, see, you remember Father Rupnik, the so-called Jesuit artist behind unsettling modernist art that dehumanizes sacred imagery. The priest who had a taste for nuns and used his influence to coerce them into violating their vows and then automatically excommunicating himself for misuse of the sacrament of penance by using his priestly faculties to absolve them of sins he forced them to commit in the first place. That priest, the same priest who used mass implements, the chalice and altar, among other items, to do unspeakable, impure, unhuman acts with involving nuns. That priest. Well, he's been incarnated in Slovenia, meaning he's a diocesan priest in Slovenia, which is bad enough. But then we get this story from the National Catholic Register. Headline. Ex-Jesuit Father Rupnik continues to live an unrestricted life at his art center in Rome. A staff member at the center confirmed the disgraced priest still resides there, even though he was incarnated in a diocese in Slovenia after he resigned from the Jesuit order in June. So what does that mean? It means that aside from an investigation being conducted by Rome that is probably going to be for show, with no meaningful consequences 
for the priest, it probably means that absolutely nothing is being done to the priest who coerced nuns into impure behavior that violated their vows and has since resulted in the destruction of their religious order. And yes, if you hadn't heard, the priest who uses authority to do bad things to and with nuns, including grotesque sacrilege involving the sacraments, he's faced no consequences whatsoever except expulsion from the Jesuit order. While the nuns he coerced for decades, yes, decades, going back to the 1980s, have had their order dissolved and the nuns reassigned. That's what synodality really is in practice. So from the article, quote, The disgraced former Jesuit priest, Father Marco Ivan Rupnik, who is accused of, quote, highly credible accusations of serial bad things and continues to live a normal life in Rome at the art center he founded despite being incarnated into his native diocese in Slovenia since June. A staff member of his Aledi Art Center confirmed to the Register December 20th that the mosaic artist currently resides at the center, but is away from Rome for Christmas. An official of the Diocese of Koper, where he is now incarnated, confirmed to the Register December 22nd that the Slovenian priest is not living in the diocese. Father Rupnik was dismissed from the Jesuits on June 9th for his, quote, stubborn refusal to obey his superior's directions. Those directions include restrictions on his ministry recommended by the investigators looking into what the Society of Jesus determined were, quote, highly credible accusations of spiritual, psychological, spiritual, psychological, and uh, manipulation of the flesh and manipulation of the conscience. Father Repnik was also excommunicated in 2019 for absolving in the confessional an accomplice of a sin against the Sixth Commandment, but the excommunication was swiftly removed. According to a statement sent to CNA on October 25th, the ex-Jesuit priest was received in the Diocese of Koper at the end of August, giving the general impression that Father Rupnik had actually moved there. The statement added that the local bishop had accepted Father Rupnik's request to be received into the diocese, quote, on the basis of the decree on Father Rupnik's dismissal from the Jesuit order and, quote, on the basis of the fact that no judicial sentence had been passed on Father Rupnik. End quote. So I know it may seem provocative to say that this is what synodality really does look like in practice, but I'm going to make the case for that here. An academic was paper was published in the peer-reviewed journal Religions on Synodality. It was published this year, so this is pretty cutting-edge academic research on the topic of synodality. The author, who calls himself Jens Mueller, describes synodality in this way, quote, when Pope Francis introduced the Synodal Path in 2020, it was widely acknowledged that the Church had a tremendous opportunity to authentically transform into a Church that actively listens and genuinely cares for marginalized individuals that ought to encompass the entire people of God, united in communion, embarking on a journey together as a pilgrim Church while actively engaging in their evangelizing mission. The church perceives itself as, quote, a sign and instrument both of a very closely knit union with God and of the unity of the whole human race. See Second Vatican Council, uh, 1964 document, paragraph one, which it lives out through the recognition and emphasis on the lay people's invaluable contribution to the church's priestly, prophetic, and kingly mission. Just as each member brings a unique perspective to the synodal path, they also express the spirit of synodality through interactions with one another. By embarking on a path of discernment, 
we can effectively realize our vision of a genuinely synodal church. Such synodal understanding allows us to address both societal and ecclesial areas of concern. Synodality places great importance on the practice of, quote, listening to tackle these concerns effectively. The term listening was not chosen arbitrarily, as there is a distinction between a, quote, hearing and a listening church. While hearing conveys a limited dimension of displaying a general receptiveness to dialogue, listening transcends this sphere. A listening church moves beyond mere hearing and engages in genuine conversation, wherein all participants are considered equals. According to theologian Christophe Pierre, who is the, the uh, papal nuncio to the United States, quote, Synodal listening is an affirmation of each person's dignity as, and is an expression of respect for the voice's legitimate desires, problems, and sufferings of the people of God. Consequently, a synodal church reaffirms the dignity and value of every individual in order to genuinely embody a church that journeys together. It is important for the entire body of the church, encompassing both the clergy and lay people, to cultivate a disposition and attentiveness towards one another's worries and concerns. The community can derive insights from these narratives and collectively forge a path forward through attentive listening. To do so, I propose that the praxis of listening encompasses three interconnected dimensions. Firstly, it necessitates an openness toward the other, grounded in the principle of inclusion. Secondly, it calls for an openness towards truth, which includes paying attention to the lived experiences within the church. Lastly, it includes exposure to conflict, recognizing it as a constructive and inspirational discernment process, end quote. I wonder if the lived experiences of the nuns count. But clearly the Vatican cares about listening to marginalized individuals and groups when they're covering for the most blatant act of clericalism in the church today. Father Rupnik is probably going to get away with everything he's done. And why? Because he's so well-connected to the Vatican, and because synodality is a lie, of course. His art has been used as central marketing for various synods and other weird post-conciliar programs of the Vatican since the 1990s. His art, if you can call it that, adorns the shrines of Our Lady of Fatima in Portugal, as well as the shrine of St. Padre Pio. Rupnik is kind of a big deal, and his influence has shielded him from facing the consequences of his actions. That's the definition of clericalism, and clericalism is alive and well in the church under Francis, regardless of all the things Francis says about rigidity and needing to accompany one another and listen to people's lived experiences. That's the truth of the situation, folks, and Rupnik is free to misuse his authority as a priest to lead more souls to perdition. What do you think about all this? Do you think that Father Rupnik, in his case, is a perfect example of a listening church that listens to people's lived experiences? <laughs> that his getting away with all of this while at the same time the nuns have had the religious order dismantled and the nuns sent out to other places. Is that an example of synodality? Is that what Francis would want synodality to be seen as? Do you think the Rupnik trial was for, is the Rupnik mess is just for show? I tend to think that. But I'm curious what you have to say, so let me know in the comments, please. Hit like and subscribe if you haven't. It does help, so to sharing this on social media. That helps too. And once again, thanks to the patrons and channel members for their support. It is greatly appreciated. And as always, pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.